two has come to conclusion Monday night. Uh, very disheartening. Um, one, if you were going up against the Steelers defense two, if you were a Nick Chubb owner, um, in which circumstance I was, uh, I was, uh, I I was in both camps. I I don't, I'm a, you know Nick Chubb. It sucks. Like let's just let's just preface that. But this is two for two for me. I I try not to make this woe is my fantasy team. But I had Aaron Rodgers on the same roster that I had Nick Chubb on, and I'm two for two for season ending injuries this season on one team. Fortunately, it was a better fantasy week for me. But it was tough to see Nick Chubb go, and uh, it was tough to face the Steelers defense. How how many Steelers defenses did you go up against in uh, your leagues this week? Uh, well, first off, I want to know who else you have on that team, um, because I want to know who's going to get out for the season next. Um, yeah, I went up against. Uh, I'm talking about yeah, up, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I went up. I think. I didn't end up with any Nick Chubb this year, um, which that was just by luck. I actually liked him a decent one coming in. I had uh, at least one league where I went up against the Pittsburgh defense, and the the sleeper app odds had me 99% chance of winning, yep. and it came down to less than a point. And I didn't even realize this until Tuesday morning, so this morning when I checked the score. And I was like, wait, I thought the app was broken for a second because I was certain I had won. And I didn't even bother to check the score at the end of the game to ensure that that was still the case. So, yeah, that one was honestly such a big swing that I it was funnier. I don't want to say it was funnier than heartbreaking, to be honest. Like that one's a pretty that's a pretty funny one. In this league, it was 29 points from the Steelers and you needed needed 29 points so it's kind of bizarre every fantasy app has that like even espn has that statistic uh or like that that percentage thing i find i don't like it at all i think they should just get rid of it because it's too there's too many unpredictable variables to put the winning percentage there or even like i'd be okay if they got rid of projections altogether like just give maybe give me like a, a player ranking don't give me their projected score because I don't think that's a very uh, – <laughs> I think it's a very uh, gilded um, way to <laughs> to deceive fantasy owners because ESPN will do this thing where it's like, okay, um, it, they do it literally right after the draft. They basically project where everybody's going to finish. And almost every year so far since I've been in the league with some of my friends – this one guy, he always comes out with the top team in, in after the draft, and then by week <laughs> two or three, he's projected to be twelfth. It's the most hysterical yeah. uh, Jekyll and Hyde situation, and I, I don't even know what to think about it. But um, yeah, so who was uh, so let's talk about we. So if if you're new to the pod, fantasy games one. Um, Honestly, for your stat there, I don't think we can really start really extracting the value from it until week four. But so far, from from yeah. week one to week two, we've we've definitely seen some variance. Uh, we were just talking about Christian Kirk and T. Higgins finally uh, getting the opportunities and capitalizing on them, and uh, you know scoring meaningful uh, fantasy points. But who's been who's been some of the the 
influential players that have been able to bridge that gap between week one and week two in fantasy games one. Um, I'm assuming Christian McCaffrey's up there. Um, I, I'm wondering yep. who else though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's so far um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Justin Jefferson, they've been the most consistent ones at the top of the list because they each had uh, two good games. Well, actually to be honest, the Dallas defense has a good game and an amazing yeah. game. Given that they're a defense, they're actually at the top of the list right now, leaving week two. Wow. I don't. It would be quite a thing if that were to survive. I think two years ago, the Patriots defense had a similarly impressive run where they were actually one of the best fantasy assets that you could own. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, a few other names here. So again, like a player's not going to have good fantasy games. One numbers. Unless there are players that you're likely to start in your lineup, the, the metric does not reward players who score a lot out of nowhere. Uh, so it's not going to reward um, Kyron Williams the same way it would reward Keenan Allen. Um, Keenan Allen actually was the winner of Week Two, and given that he was pretty average in Week One, he's not at the top of the list, but he's he rounds out the top five here. Uh, I forgot to mention Tyree Kill with his huge Week One is up there as well. Um, yes, as far as any surprising entries up here, uh, the consistency I mean, is not super surprising. The consistency of Tony Pollard has kept him in the list. Bijan Robinson's actually almost a top 10 fantasy asset. He's sitting at number 12, even though he hasn't had an amazing game yet. Two solid games, considering a lot of what else we've seen so far this year. That's uh, that's been enough to be the fourth best or fifth best running back so far. Yeah, and um, have you ever thought your metric actually would go really well with DraftKings lineups too? Yeah. I've just realized It'd be that. interesting. Yeah, there's um, the percent started factor with DraftKings. Well, I guess it depends on how you want to use it too. Yeah. Because it would, because like really this is, uh, it's it's a very, it's a lagging metric. It, it, it tells you a little bit about the behavior of fellow fantasy managers it's a little bit tough to project forward. I mean, there obviously yeah. there are going to be trends there. Um, what uh, fantasy? Well, for DraftKings, I'd be interested in seeing. Uh, obviously, it's valuable to know what your opponents are doing. So, if you could figure out a way to kind of predict what this percent started percentages are going to be for certain players, you have an idea of where you can induce some variance or reduce variance upon your opponents, whether it's head-to-head or pool matchups. Um, it, it does it is relevant. It would probably need a little bit of tweaking to get it to fit, but there's something there. I agree. That, but think about it though. With if you would have played, if you would have built your lineup around Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes last year, how many weeks you would have won? Say like you were in a group of like ten, fifteen buddies. Like honestly, yeah. like I'm not not even playing like the big the big contests. You could literally have done Mahomes Kelsey stacks last season, and you would have came out ahead a lot of weeks. Yeah, um, yeah, well, that was the uh, well. The stack would have been a lot more successful so far last year than this year. In fact, I'm not sure that there is a particular stack that would be amazing so far this year. But Kirk um, Cousins, Justin Jefferson, yeah, I would agree with that. probably. Yeah. If I had to pick one, that that would probably be. That would probably be my uh, my yeah. favorite one from week one and week two. 
Yeah, Kirk Cousins had a good week in week two, especially he had started 21% of the time. So not a lot of people are using that particular stack, but um, I, I would agree. I think that one, that one, that feels right. That might be the top of the list so far. Let's see here. Puka Nakua. This is an interesting one. Um, where is he kind of measuring up on this list? Because obviously rookie stats not a, not as much um even on DraftKings, he's only drafted uh 7.69% of lineups out there this weekend even um which just shocks me because of the the amount of, well I guess it doesn't cuz lightning rarely strikes twice but if Math, Matthew Stafford your quarterback uh I suppose it does. So yeah. I, I don't know where does Puka Nakua shake up on the list now that he's had two um, consistent showouts, or is it is that more so a, a, a full point PPR value as opposed to the half point PPR? Yeah, I use half point PPR as my standard scoring system because I think it's the most average of all the scoring systems people use. So um he i had him at 16.9 in week one and 22.6 in week two for the total points scored that um would be one of the highest scores um in the league if we were he were started at a high rate i have him at zero percent or rounding to zero percent started in week one and only 22 percent last week despite his awesome week one um in fact he was on um my jv all-stars for week two so he was the 11th um, in the ranking of players that had the most points left on your bench on average, the Steelers' defense was number one. Pukunakua was number 11, actually. Hmm. So he's uh, mostly performing for everyone's JV squad, and we'll see what happens when he inevitably gets pulled up to the varsity squads and started across leagues this week. If he scores touchdown, if if he starts scoring touchdowns and becomes more of a threat in the red zone, I think that's the... I think that's the um... That's the variable that is missing in his overall production Um, because it seems as though Kyron Williams will get those. uh, I feel like Sean McVay is going to run the ball more than throw it when when Cooper Cup's not out there when he's inside the 10. Yeah, I think there's definitely something. um, It's interesting. Kyron Williams might be a... Uh, legit RB1 the rest of the way. I mean, they're they're looking at trading potentially Cam Akers. Um, he doesn't get a lot of competition. It's a Sean McVay offense. Um, when Cooper Cup gets back, that's more uh, to keep players to keep the defenses honest. Um, I'm surprised. So he only had, again, like an 8% started rate in week two. He obviously needs that, – that's going to increase significantly. Um, he might be one of the best uh, – you know, pickups for preseason. They're talking about like round 10 or later undrafted players. Yeah. Also, um, kind of interesting last night with the Nick Chubb injury, uh, the, the Browns essentially enter the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes, uh, now being a team in yeah. need of a running back in conjunction with the Packers, the Ravens. Um, you think of teams that need something in the backfield. I mean, watching the Packers try to piecemeal it together with AJ Dillon, you know, everybody here in Packerland is blaming the defense. And to be fair, the defense has a lot of draft capital invested in it. So, yeah, we should expect the defense to come through on some of those turnovers, especially when a pick literally gets missed by Quay Walker. But 
I'm I'm going to push the offense a little bit on that because I feel like there could have been more uh, more production there. Um, Jordan Love made that mistake um, on that fourth and one situation where he forgot to call for the snap and uh, ended up running before the ball came to him when he was trying to do one the the Aaron Rodgers let's get the defense off sides. He thought and he would have I bet he would have made it too because it was just a little bit less than a yard, but. You know, bygones be bygones as a Packer fan. And, and then um, uh, what do you make of the Brees Hall situation? That one was really weird to me. And obviously he's not happy about um, what happened there in Dallas. Yeah, I'm honestly, I, I'm not sure if this is being a little bit of an optimist, but uh, I think the Jets just, it all came from inability to handle Micah Parsons and, it was just we just didn't have the ball enough to get Brees Hall the ball. Like to be honest, like there were, he had four touches. I don't have the numbers in front of me of how many touches there were to go around. Dalvin Cook was going to get the ball a little bit. Michael Carter was in there on some third downs. Um, this was not really a game where we had a chance. We so the Jets had a chance to establish uh, a strong ground game. There was, um, yeah. It. I don't make too much of it. There is a chance that the Cowboys are just really good. And Micah Parsons being the, he may be the defensive player of the year this year, and it might not be close. I'm, I can't recall a player looking quite so unblockable. I mean, I know like actually Miles Garrett was really good against the Bengals in a similar way, but um, this is, that's kind of what I'm talking up here. I'm not too concerned about them giving Brees Hall the ball because they're going to gradually give him the ball more as he gets more and more, um, used to uh, or more and more time from his ACL uh, repair, but um, yeah, well, uh, I'm not too negative about that. I'm uh, uh, next week will say a lot because it's uh, the Patriots haven't looked great. They seem to have the Jets' number, and we'll know whether or not the Jets are going to have trouble with you getting Brees on the ball. Know, multiple. Different do you want to know how many rushes yeah. the Jets had against the Cowboys? It's a pretty. If you got it's it, 16, 16 <laughs> rushes. Yeah, that's that's not a lot. Yeah, with with, yeah. with the with the running backs you have, but in with Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Dalvin Cook, and whoever else you have, um, you should be probably at least over twenty rushes a game at the minimum. You have enough dudes, and Zach Wilson led with five carries and thirty six yards. No thanks. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, so really only 11, I guess, designed runs in there. Um, and actually, there might have been a, uh, there might have been one receiver end around in, in that list. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, at the time of possession numbers were, Kyle Dallas had the ball almost twice as much. Yeah. As that'll, guess, that'll skew things um, too. Yeah. Yeah. But it could have been so, better. I it think could've, it, uh, it could have been better if you decided to eat clock instead of, you know, trying to make big plays, but you know, what, what are we doing? Monday morning quarterbacking always easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. But before we close things up here and obviously, you know, seeing that we're doing shorter segments, we're never going to get to everything. Who do you think if Dallas and Philadelphia played next week, I think Cowboys are the better team right now in that division. I think Dallas would more likely be favored 
like the Eagles, while they still look invincible in certain things that they do, like the Jalen Hurts sneak just looks invincible, like little things like that, that the Eagles just seem to do better than anyone else. I do think the Cowboys look like the better team. I don't know how much weight to put in the fact that historically the Cowboys have been more likely to uh, lay an egg seemingly out of nowhere compared to the Eagles. But um, if I had to place a bet and say it were even odds, I would, I think I would bet the Cowboys in whatever situation. So I guess the neutral field question, that's it. They, um, yeah, the, the Eagles offensively don't quite look like, I mean, they look, very different than they did. Um, obviously, getting when now that they actually have a running back who got pretty significant volume, that's that's some, that's a little bit of a different look than we're used to. Uh, DeAndre Swift truthers are coming out of the woodwork for the first time in over a year, so um, there's there's that aspect. But yeah, I think the Cowboys are playing better. I would agree. Well, I mean, I'm, Nick Sirianni finds a way to repair broken players. I don't know how he does it. I thought DeAndre Swift was <laughs> was was spent, but I let's yeah. let's see if 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 he can play the Miles Sanders role that from last season. Let's see if this can happen like consecutive weeks. I think he did earn the job on Thursday, um, so I do anticipate seeing him get more of that snap share from uh, Kenneth Gainwell if he gets back in the mix. Boston Scott, obviously, more of the. Um, the short down and distance guy, but um, I think it's Swift's backfield right now. And let's see how he can potentially coexist with Jalen Hurts. It's going to be interesting to see going into the going into next week, at least. So, yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, what do the people have to look forward to from your channel? Yeah, so Wednesday is posting day. We're going to try and go in the morning this time. We'll see if I can pull that off. But we have both the blog post on byron-cobalt.com. That'll be recapping week two, as well as my video on the Byron Cobalt YouTube channel, where I will go through using the Fantasy Games 1 metric as a as support for what's effectively a reaction. And I have a bold claim to make this week that I'm going to use leave as a tease. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, looking forward to... Um, having some interesting discussions as inevitably people will push back on it. So I'll just say that. I'm making a bold claim this week with only two weeks. Well, it's not really based on the two weeks of history so far. It's just a claim in general. But I'm going everyone, to, everyone has I'm gonna attempt to use your metric uh, for DraftKings next week to see if it works. So um, I just, uh, right. I'm not in every lineup, but I'm going to try it in some. So, um, because I think I th- I it just hasn't been tested yet. So let's let's test it out, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right, Brian. Sounds have good. a great week. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. All right. As always, thank you, Byron Cobalt, for hopping on and gracing us with your presence for reacting from week two. So let's dive into week three. Again, this is not fantasy starting advice, but these are just some of my opinions based on the matchups coming down the pipeline this week. So kicking things off on Thursday evening, New York Giants traveling to the Santa Clara 49ers or San Francisco 49ers as they are more popularly known. This is going to be a bloodbath. For the Giants, I don't anticipate them having an answer for San Francisco's defense. 
pound the defense for the Niners. I assume Christian McCaffrey will have himself a day. Um, I also anticipate Brock Purdy potentially being a sneaky start here because if Josh Dobbs can somehow pull what he did off against the Giants, Purdy actually sneaky good start. Um, if you're doing a DraftKings matchup, that's taking into account the whole slate of games for the week. That one might actually pay you some dividends, and I would be starting McCaffrey. I would be starting Ayuk. I would be starting Mr. Debo Samuel, and I would be playing Mr. Kittle. So, yeah, that that's about it. Um, I suppose if you wanted to throw some uh, maybe Jennings, but uh, that would be a stretch. So don't go don't don't go overextending yourself too bad. I would try to steer clear of the Giants' offense unless I had to play Saquon. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily be interested in playing Danny Dimes, and certainly none of the receivers. Um, that's just best practice. I suppose if you're a Darren Waller owner, you're gonna have to play him because you put so much into getting that tight end but that's my take on Thursday night yeah it's I think it's name your score San Francisco um Giants I if Giants get more than 10 points I'll be impressed that fair is fair now unless something all of a sudden started clicking um in Arizona that could be a thing um I know the Giants stayed in New stayed out west this week so Maybe they caught some juju, figure some stuff out. San Francisco catch San Francisco on a bad night because uh, it is a Thursday night game, but I don't anticipate that happening with the 49ers. They're too, they're too consistent. So, yeah, pound the Niners, take the Niners, everything. Okay, let's look at this slate going into the noon Central Time, one p.m. Eastern time slate. So, I mean, just kind of scratching it for scratching the itch for the first time. Um, interesting games that that jump out to me right from the gates. Lamar could be an interesting play. Um, Indianapolis, obviously, we saw what CJ Stroud was able to do. Um, so, Baltimore. And this could be a really great game for Flowers, um, Duvernay, any of the Baltimore receivers, Beckham. They could all actually be fairly successful um, in this matchup. And Mark Andrews, too, especially. So I do like every Baltimore piece on offense that you typically would play with. Uh, I, I don't know if I would... Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, um, which depends on the situation here. Um, I think that Gus Edwards probably be the better play out of the two, but um, ultimately it's going to be uh, it's going to be a close one to tell there. Um, Tennessee at Cleveland, I don't like that matchup at all, um, but I do like Cleveland's defense in this one potentially because. Tennessee hasn't given me anything to really get excited about. I wonder what, why they hang on to Tannehill the same way 
the Pittsburgh Steelers hang on to Matt Canada. It just doesn't make sense why they why they're holding on to him. Um, yeah, I just the, the Titans. I have no interest in the Titans outside of Derrick Henry. It stinks that Chigakonkwo is not being utilized. It feels like Kyle Pitts 2.0. Um, I wish there would be more opportunity here, especially for the receivers like D Hop and uh, it's just weird stuff in Tennessee. Now, as for Cleveland, though, that's going to be a tough one. Um, everybody's going to be pounding Ford. I don't know if I'm in that boat. Obviously, he did well for you if you played, if you had him in any lineup on Monday. But I don't know why you would have because Chubb was still slotted in before he tore his knee. And it, it, it was just kind of a tough one to witness obviously but I don't know if I'm like turning around and just playing Ford because there's a chance that he could be incredibly average and I would rather try to find some bigger play potential here I think he's I think in his backup position Ford is way way better than what AJ Dillon is to Aaron Jones uh for the Packers but I'm still I'm still treating it as such and until I see a couple more uh, a couple more weeks of Ford, I am not going to be too aggressive in obtaining him uh, yet. And if, unless he like falls to me in waivers, then I'm gonna go after him because I've already dropped Chubb because he's not playing another snap of football in the leagues that I had shares of him in. But I'm not like going to be a a, a Ford flag wave flag bearer by any stretch either uh, Atlanta and Detroit that game's going to be interesting I really love Gibbs this week although Atlanta's defense is definitely going to be here for it so we're going to have to see what uh, creativity Ben Johnson can get um, to get productivity from Gibbs obviously Montgomery is out of the picture so we should also see some I believe it's uh the other Lions running back is, uh, I think it was like Craig, Craig Reynolds or something like that. Um, he's gonna definitely he's gonna be relevant a little bit um, in this backfield. Also, yeah, Craig Reynolds. Um, also, Zonovan Knight is a Lion now too. Um, not sure exactly when that happened. I'm gonna need to do some digging into that. Um, so. That'll be, I, I anticipate Gibbs getting the lion's share, but there's going to be some Craig Reynolds and potentially Zonovan Knight sprinkled in there because they need diversification back there. I do like Josh Reynolds also. I anticipate him having another successful week. And uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, obviously you're going to play him. Why wouldn't you? That'd be crazy not to play St. Brown. Now, switching gears to the Falcons side, we had Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson have decent days against the Packers, and then Drake London after putting up a goose egg in week one recovering. So it's going to be very difficult. If you're playing Drake London, I hope that you have other options at multiple positions because it is going to ebb and flow with him. Um 
last week. I think I think he's a part of the game plan. Him and Matt Collins more than we anticipate. Um, I do think they are the going to be the lead recipients of Desmond Ritter pass attempts this season. However, it is going to be difficult to drill down. Um, and like I said, I just hope you have other options at those position groups. I have way too many Drake London shares, and it really burned me in week one. And in week two, I just I didn't play him because he was playing the Packers, and I am still a Packer fan sometimes when I make my fantasy lineup picks, and that is why you need to remove emotion when you are picking your who is going to be your starters for fantasy. All right, so then we have New Orleans traveling up to Green Bay. It should be an interesting game. New Orleans defense, um, obviously stout. And the Packers looking for a bounce back. New Orleans uh, obviously coming off of the win last night. I mean, if it wasn't for Taysom Hill, I don't think New Orleans wins that game. So it might, it must be Taysom time um, in the NFL season. I'll check our watches. We all love Taysom time. Um, so yeah, enjoy it. New Orleans. I just hope it doesn't burn the Packers, uh, Taysom Hill being that he started his NFL career as a Packer always stings to see him having the success that he's had in New Orleans. And, uh, man, what could have been if he would have stayed in green Bay? Probably, probably would have not Mike McCarthy would have never used Taysom Hill the way Sean Payton began using him. Um, let's just get that record straight. M- Mike McCarthy, not that creative. Um, although he has been doing some good things in Dallas. Um, I can't game recognize game, but Cowboys always seem to turn back to Cowboy ways. Um, on the Packers side, I hope that we get a, I hope we get a Christian Watson sighting this week. That would really, um, boost the athleticism and big playmaking potential of the offense, help open things up for Romeo Dobbs more. Um, I like Luke Musgrave. And then New Orleans offensive side, it's tough to justify playing Jamal Williams, but um, Packers obviously have their troubles against the run from time to time. You're obviously going to play Chris Olave. Michael Thomas, too, um, has some opportunities. Well, if you're really desperate for production, do Taysom also, but be careful because uh, it's, it's, it's either going to be incredible or awful. And... It's there's no in between when it comes to Taysom. Um, Houston at Jacksonville. This one will be interesting. I do like uh, Jacksonville's. It's just Jacksonville's setup in this one um, is is going to be pretty good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and company. You know who they all are: Ingram, Kirk, Jones, um, Etienne, Bigsby. Go for it. Give it a shot. See what you can get. I think that Jacksonville will run these guys out of the gym. I don't, unless, you know, Houston just, Houston, I really liked Houston as a play last week against Indianapolis, but I I don't know how Jacksonville, I, I they held the Chiefs to pretty low scoring total, and Kelsey was back, so... I anticipate Jacksonville being able to handle Dalton Schultz and C.J. Stroud much more, um, just much better than what they were able to do against 
Mahomes and Kelsey. And, and it's not even like Mahomes and Kelsey broke any records against them. So I anticipate Jacksonville having a good day against Houston. Denver at Miami. Um, wow, Vic Fangio. Uh, I think he's going to throw the kitchen sink at Russell Wilson. And I think that this Miami defense is getting rolling. Um, I really like what they have going for them in Miami. With Tyreek Hill and Tua, Raheem Mostert is playing unreal right now. He's so fast. Oh, man. You're playing every Dolphin you get your hands on right now, um, respectively. Like I'm, I even like uh, the the tight end Smythe. He's got some, he's got some upside, and he's out there a lot. So there's some options there too. There's a there's a sneaky one for for all you value players out there looking for some value at the tight end position. I know who you are, dumpster divers. Real recognize real Chargers. At Minnesota, this obviously you're gonna play Justin Herbert. You're gonna play Justin Jefferson. You're gonna play Keenan Allen. Um, I would play Josh Kelly. I don't think this Minnesota defense has a good. They don't do very good against the run. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're gonna play Mike Williams if you have him, and uh, potentially Everett. But I'm I'm kind of not. A, as interested in LA Charger tight ends, um, although it is Minnesota, so they will give up some stuff. So, and then obviously Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. You got to play those guys right now. Not enough people playing Kirk Cousins out there, leaving a lot of points on your bench doing that. Um, obviously, you're not going to get it every week from Kirk, but he's got good receivers. I'm, I'm pounding Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, uh, and that's about it. For, for my side, I Madison, if you have him for an RB2, sure, go for it. But I'm not holding my I'm, – I'm not, like, pounding the table for Alexander Madison either, though. And then uh, New England is going up to the New York Jets. I love the New York Jets defense. Um, New England, I could honestly – I don't want anything to do with this team. Um I anticipate there's just no there's no plan on offense. It's it is it is hopeless in New England right now. Um, and then I'm also I'm, what's gonna happen with Brees Hall? Like the Cowboys just you know as Byron and I talked about the Cowboys just dominated that game. I anticipate there being a little more opportunity for the Jets, and hopefully that means more rush opportunities for Brees Hall. So don't lose hope in Brees Hall yet. It was. It was it was just two teams on very different spectrums with Dallas and the Jets, and then you're going to see the variance between the Jets and the Pats, and so and I anticipate that out the Jets are the more superior opponent. Um, Zach Wilson. It's not like I'm going to be. I mean, that, I mean, maybe for DraftKings, give Zach Wilson a look. Uh, I mean, he does have Garrett Wilson, after all. And uh, Garrett Wilson has proven he can handle Zach Wilson, whatever uh, Zach Wilson's production is for Garrett Wilson. So um, I'm not, I'm not like, desperate to play Zach Wilson. But if I needed, like, a draft king's value, Zach Wilson's not a terrible play against this New England defense. All right. Um, then Buffalo at Washington. This is actually going to be a good test for Washington. Um We've seen them now kind of pull some stuff off the past two weeks. And let's, you know, get, 
Brian Robinson Jr. I think is worth starting with the numbers he's been putting up. Um, Jahan Dotson and and uh, and then on the Buffalo side, Gabe Davis actually having good weeks now. Um, not a bad idea. Um, James Cook, Josh Allen, and the tight ends in Buffalo haven't been doing terrible either. Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, putting up some production. Um, yeah, so the Buffalo offense you can probably go pretty deep with here. Even Khalil Shakir potentially sneaking in there for touchdowns like he did. Um, obviously, some guys on Buffalo are more touchdown dependent than others just because with Josh Allen, there's not always a lot of volume to go around. But the opportunities will still be there. And we'll see. Washington's defense uh, in the front is no joke. So that might actually go extremely well for the receivers because depending on what will happen with James Cook's production uh, could vary regarding what they're capable of doing in the run game. My gosh, especially if Chase Young is out there. Uh, yeah, uh, be careful. This Washington defense is the D line is just it's filthy when they're all when they're all healthy. And then in the afternoon slate, um, Carolina at Seattle. Not really interested in any Carolina stock outside of Miles Sanders right now. Hayden Hurst, if you're in a pinch, but outside of that, I am just I'm passing on all the Carolina, and then I'm gonna probably go after every Seattle player here kenneth walker dk metcalf tyler lockett and geno smith that's it for that and then dallas oh boy dallas at arizona if this isn't going to be if if dallas was able to beat the giants 40 to nothing they should be able to beat arizona like 60 to nothing this could be a, a thrashing um it, this is gonna yeah i backups in for dallas by the middle of the fourth quarter, maybe starting the fourth quarter, we'll see the backups for Dallas uh, chat out there. I anticipate this being a thrashing. Then Chicago traveling to Kansas City. And um, y y as you can tell, you know, <laughs> Matt Nagy revenge game, now the offensive coordinator at Kansas City. I'll be playing Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, of course, and then try to parcel whatever other value pieces you can out of Kansas City, I guess. But um, that's my little take there. Not the greatest of takes, not the worst of takes, but Kansas City is such a difficult offense to predict. Don't know who's going to be catching the passes. One week it's Kadarius Tony. The next week it's... Uh, Justin Watson. So I just, I don't know. It It's so tough. Um, <sighs> ah, man. Because of, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not going to try to project Kansas City's offense. It's too difficult for me. Um, maybe you can do a better job. This is my show. I can tell you who I want to play. And I'm not, I just, I have a hard time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Just all the facts. Um, Pittsburgh at Las Vegas. This should be a great game for the Pittsburgh defense. And um, 
Pittsburgh, probably one of the best traveling fan bases in the National Football League, at least one of the top four or five for uh, traveling. So uh, terrible towels all over Vegas. Um, basically a wet blanket on that torch thing that Vegas has going on there. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh's defense should do should be able to do whatever they want. And I anticipate it being a better day for the Pittsburgh offense, although I don't quite know what that looks like because I don't know what to expect from Matt Canada. I do anticipate them playing a little more conservatively down the stretch because I think they need to lean on their defense more. Their defense has a lot of weapons there, and they would be stupid to try to not take advantage of that right now. The defense is going to help them win games more so than Matt Canada's play calling. So I just hope that they can all be big boys in the room and recognize that. Uh, I think Tomlin is smart enough to identify that. The question is, how will he rein in Matt Canada from doing stupid play calls and uh, limiting the amount of just dumb like they'll be able to they'll be able to do some fun stuff because it's vegas um and, and the raiders are just bad like they're like matt canada in terms of what's going on in vegas like i'm surprised that canada wasn't hired as an offensive coordinator in vegas because of how dumb everything is there with mcdaniels running the show um obviously josh jacobs still trying to get in shape playing his way in shape, uh, hashtag James Harden, and then um, Devontae Adams as well. So you're going to play those guys. You'd be foolish not to um, just because it, they make up a big chunk of your draft capital if you have both those guys. So you're still, you, you still never know what can happen. It's the NFL um, week three, so these teams are still relatively healthy, but Anything can happen any Sunday. Philadelphia, and then the we got two another slate of uh, the double Monday night slate. Um, Philadelphia traveling to Tampa Bay should be a frisky one. Tampa Bay, obviously, Baker Mayfield's feeling himself right now. Um, I love Mike Evans in this one. Rashad White, you're gonna play them, and I Chris Godwin perhaps, but I don't like him as much as I like. Mike Evans, of course, and then on top of that, uh, I mean, you're going to play Godwin. Don't get it twisted. Like I shouldn't say it like that, but then um, L.A. traveling to Cincinnati, and does Joe Burrow play? Is it even smart for Joe Burrow to play? Jamar Chase thought Joe Burrow should potentially take some time off coming into the season. It's starting to look like Jamar Chase might have had a good idea there Joe Burrow um wanting to be the hero and um I mean he just got made the highest paid quarterback in the NFL not too long ago so I understand that he wants to prove he's worth it but I wonder if he's doing it at his detriment right now because he just hasn't seemed to be himself um he didn't have a terrible week last week but he looked in he was still kind kind of average. Um, definitely helped T. Higgins bounce back into relevance. So we'll see what will happen. Um, hopefully he's feeling better. I 
I'm hesitant to want to play him again, but it's the Rams, and I think that if he is available, I we still should put him out there because his upside is just so it's so huge, and that's the hard part of having Joe Burrow is that he has weeks where he's kind of duds, but then he'll go on like a stretch that will lead you to the playoffs and potentially winning your fantasy football championship. So it's like, uh, which, wh- where, where am I going to take the lumps with Joe Burrow to, to get the satisfaction of winning? Cause his, he definitely can skew, uh, matchups in a, in a league for the rest of the season, depending on who you all have on your roster and such that you're at least that you're getting, um, a couple above average performances from other pieces on your roster there that you're starting but joe burrow's ability to to swing to tip the scales and matchups can be very uh influential in fantasy football leagues but we'll see what'll happen ultimately and then matt stafford is interesting and puka nakua is interesting i'm i think i'm playing nakua just because it's the volumes there the productions there maybe it'll translate to touchdowns which would be great for standard i mean in in full point ppr he's been very strong but i know he hasn't been the entire for every other format uh basically so um great DraftKings pick though puka nakua and then also kyron williams is definitely a play as well on the running back side He's going to be getting lion's share of that backfield right now. I don't know what the Cam Akers situation is. This is like deja vu from last year a little bit where they were like Cam Akers out and then all of a sudden Cam Akers on and then he goes off, has a great like end of the season-ish and then everything else comes to a hold again after week one this year. So will they actually pull the trigger and trade him this season? Let's wait and see. It's a lot of running backs out there. Jonathan Taylor still um, waiting on his trade. Has things haven't gotten smoothed over with the Colts yet, and uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be great to see him get out there. See if he's still productive. I anticipate he is, but maybe the doctors in Indy know something we don't. Bygones be bygones. Everybody have a successful fantasy football week. Kill your matchups. Do better than you did last week. Hope you get your guys on your waiver wire that you're looking for. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. Um, And otherwise, everybody have a great week and enjoy another slate of uh, fantasy football. Peace.